1 Corinthians 2, beginning with verse 4. Been there? Going to be there for a while yet. 1 Corinthians 2, 4. Love to hear paper rustling. I usually, that's how I know when people are there, because it stops. 1 Corinthians 2, 4. And my speech, this is Paul speaking to the Corinthians, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. The message of Jesus Christ is about power. It's about change. It's about, it's about his kingdom growing and, and moving forward and replacing, getting rid of darkness. It's just like well, last, last week uh, I had a flashlight and I shined it in Jamie's face. And she's not here this morning. So I don't know what that means exactly. <laughs> I got, a, I got a terse uh, uh, email or text, and then after that, thanks a lot, she said, for shining light in her eyes. But it's, it's like that, not that she, I, mean, I shouldn't have ever mentioned that, but uh, when you flash a flashlight, you know, in the, in the darkness, what happens? It gets light. It doesn't get darker, it gets lighter. When you show light, the light of the Word of God into this world, it gets brighter. Now, it's awful dark out there. And we can, we can focus on the darkness, we can, we can you know, uh, lament the darkness, we can, we can decry the darkness, we can be angry, we can you know, stomp our feet, but none of that stuff replaces darkness. The only thing that replaces darkness is light. The only thing that dispels darkness is light. We are the light. Jesus said that, didn't he? He says, you're the light of the world. What? I thought he was the light. of the, He is the light. He is the light. But now he said he's done everything he's going to do. And he's gone and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Which if you, read, if, if you read that verse, it says he's sitting at the right hand of power of the Father. Isn't that interesting? He sits at the right hand of power of the Father. In him is the power. Everything he has, he gives to us. And he brings light. And he gives us the light to shine. Now, I love what, what uh, Becca shared this morning, that, that you have to be ready to shine the light. You never know when, the, when your opportunity is going to come. It can come at the least, least opportune time. People standing around, and all of a sudden, here's your opportunity. But you need to shine the light. We need to continue to shine the light. Well, what if, what if darkness keeps pushing back? Turn it up. Crank it up. You know, that's where we need to be a little tenacious. You know, darkness, I don't know if you've noticed, but darkness doesn't just ah, run away every time a little bit of light is shown in this world. In this world, the, 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 we, you know, there, there's times there's, it's a battle out there. And we need to keep pushing. We need to keep bringing light. We need to, to not get discouraged and not quit and just keep bringing light. Even if it seems like everything's against you, you keep bringing light. Because the Bible says that, that we will win every time. As long as we don't what? Quit. As long as we don't quit, 
we will win. Don't, don't be weary in well-doing, for if in, in, in proper time, this is the, kind of the Neitzel version, yeah, the in proper time, you will reap a harvest if you don't quit. So we keep moving forward. We keep bringing light. We keep allowing God to shine through us no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. Well, this last week, this last week, we had a victory. Some have heard about it. Some haven't heard about it. But we had a victory, and it was a long time coming. And I'm not going to share what the victory was. I'm going to have somebody else share what the victory was. Pastor John, you want to come on up? Am I on? Am I on? Yeah. All right. Praise God. Yeah, we had a victory. How many know you need victories in your lives? And you need more victories than you need defeats. It's, it's good to have a victory. Amen. I remember one time, um, you know, we are overcomers according to the word of God. And I heard one time this minister was talking about how to be an overcomer and he compared it to being in a, in a prize fight. And he says, you know, it's two heavyweight champions. They're in the ring, you know, um, uh, they're battling out and it goes the 15 rounds and finally the winners declare and the ref holds up and the purse for that fight was $40 million. So he comes home, he's bruised up, his eyes cut underneath his eyes, he's got a little blood, he's beat up and everything. And his wife didn't watch the fight. She goes, well, you know, I didn't watch it. I don't like looking at that stuff. Did you win? He goes, yes, I won. He goes, I got the check. She grabs the check out of his hand and goes and starts spinning it. And the minister said, she's an, more than an overcomer. <laughs> she got this. He paid the price and she gets the benefit, right? Jesus paid the price for you and I to have the benefit of having the victory. Amen. And so we got a victory. We have a place for our impact church in New Richmond. So we'll, so we are excited about that. I am so excited. I am one happy guy. And um, it's been a long time coming. And um, we started this process almost 15 months ago. It took us 15 months to get this far. And we've been meeting and praying. And um, over those last 15 months, and lots of prayer, have gone in, lots of people. We've had three or four times where we had looked like we had a location for our church and they would fall through and you would get frustrated, but you have to stay in the fight. You know, you gotta stay in the fight. You, you know, if how I many you know at month, you know, and if God would have told me um, last year that it was gonna be this long, I would have been discouraged. I'm glad he didn't tell me about that. <laughs> But he said to me, he goes, you know, son, you've been patient. He goes, before you, you would have quit. He goes, but you've been really patient. And, you know, patience pays off. Amen. It pays to be patient. It pays not to quit. And so we didn't quit. And the people on our prayer team didn't quit. And we're so thankful for our team. Half of our team's gone today, but hey, for you guys that have been with us and 
over those last 15 months, if you could stand up, we want to say thank you. Come on, guys, help me out here. All right, give these guys a big round of applause. Appreciate it. So we get a chance to move forward, and it's it's important to move forward. And um, you know, uh, New Richmond. When I moved to New Richmond, I didn't know that we were going to be planning a church. That wasn't my idea. That was God's idea. And He goes, "I want you to plant a church here." And I said, "Okay, we'll do that." And um, during this process, we've had to watch God provide and move, and it's a wonderful thing. And sometimes we can get frustrated, but we need to learn to enjoy the journey. I hope someone caught that. I said, you got to learn to enjoy the journey. And uh, in this process, you know, we've grown and we've learned some things about God. And it's, it's, it's just a fabulous thing. And so we're very excited. So we're ending up, we... The buildings in New Richmond, either they were way too large for us, way too expensive, way too large, or they were way too small, and it just wasn't working out. I mean, this one place wanted us to sign a five-year lease, and I'm going, this is a small place for five years. Our church grows. We'll be done. You know, this isn't going to work. And um, But we finally came through, and Pastor John had driven by this one place, and he says, you should check out what that place was, was a dance studio. And so we contacted the dance studio, and I saw online that they didn't have classes on the weekends, and um, a lot of times it's free. And so I contacted them, and the lady is so nice. So the Dance Explosion Dance Studio in New Richmond has agreed to let us use their facility for a year to start holding church services. Praise God. That's good. And I thought, God, you have a sense of humor. It's dance explosion meets impact church. (laughs) What a great place. It's a great place to start. And it wasn't my idea, but that's what God opened up. And, you know, you don't despise the days of small beginnings. Amen. And I believe that we'll be a blessing to that dance studio, just like they're being a blessing to us. Amen. And, you know, I, 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 I want to say this too. Impact Church wasn't the name that I had wanted for our church. God gave us that name. And, you know, and I just I've thought about it over the months. We try to come up with a vision statement of who we are and all this and stuff. But Impact Church, this is what came, kept coming up in my spirit over and over again, no matter how I try to word it or whatever. Impact Church is a church that will impact the culture. And this culture that we live in needs to be impacted with the power of God, what Pastor John is talking about. And, you know, without a demonstration of the power of God, people don't believe that there is a God. You know, when we had the big healing revival back in the 40s, it was to let people know, you know, God does still heal people. God still does do miracles. Right. And we need a fresh demonstration of the power of God in America today. And you and I are the people that are supposed to demonstrate the power of God. 
Boy, the amens got weaker. I said, you and I are supposed to demonstrate the power of God. And you have the ability to demonstrate the power of God. Every born-again believer has that ability. It's just a choice that we make. And, you know, we have to be ready to go because you never know when God's going to call you. But I was thinking about over in the book of Acts, in, um, in the book of Acts, it said something here that I, that I, I just marked a couple of spots here. It says, um, the, in, uh, this is where uh, Paul was at Jason's house staying there. And uh, they came and wanted to get him. In verse 6, Acts 17, verse 6, it says, But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, "These, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. These who have turned the world upside down, that's an impact. Did you know we're supposed to turn this world upside down for Jesus? Did you know the power of God can cancel the cancel culture that's in our country today? And if we don't take the power of, of Jesus to, the, to this world, to this nation, who will do it? It says, these who turned the world upside down have come here also. Did you know that we have to go there and turn their world upside down? You have to go into the world to turn the world upside down. We're going into New Richmond. We're turning that thing upside down. (laughs) With God's help and with God's power, it'll get done. Amen? And that's the whole point of the Impact Church. You know, over there in Acts chapter 16, uh, verse 20, uh, let's see here... um, Verse 20, it says, And they brought them to the magistrate and said, These men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. Isn't it interesting when you come with the power of God, you're a trouble. You're a troublemaker. (laughs) It's good to be a troublemaker for Jesus. Amen? Amen. And uh, it caused a lot of problems because, you know, people are getting converted. And, you know, and you have this culture in their society where we just want everything to stay the same. We don't want you to, you know, upset at anything. No, the culture needs to change. It said it was an ungodly culture. Amen. And this is where this vision to reach this valley, you know, I believe that Impact Church is going to impact the culture of not only New Richmond, but the, the valley as well. And then even going into other nations, we're going to impact the culture. And so we're very excited about it. And we need everyone here to participate. You know? You got to get in the game. And you got to think about how can I impact the culture? Someone says, well, I'm too old. No, you're not too old. Amen. I don't believe that God just called us to just grow and play golf every day. I'll let that one sink in. <laughs> and I believe, someone says, well, I'm too young. I don't believe that God called us just to play video games all day. 
we're equal opportunity here. <laughs> but the culture needs to, I don't know if you realize that this culture needs to be changed. And it needs a desperate change. And yes, it does need to happen quickly. I'm speaking longer than I anticipated, but I wanted to share this with you. I saw where, some of you may have seen this, where in June, uh, the Gallup people who does you know, the surveys and polls and stuff, and they came out with this poll and they do it every three years. Uh, um, sorry, maybe it's every five years. But anyway, it says belief in God in the United States dips to 81%. So only 81% of Americans believe in God today. And five years ago, it was 87%. So it took a 6% decrease in five years. And it always been, since they started the poll back in the 30s, I believe, it had always been at a 90%. And how many know our culture is going the wrong way if, if you have fewer and fewer people that believe in God? It says 81% of the people believe in God down from 87% in 2017. That's a new low. Only, and out of the people that believe in God, four in 10 believe God can intervene on people's behalf. Only 40% of the people believe that God can even intervene on your behalf. This culture needs to be reached. It says younger liberal Americans are the people least likely to believe in God. The younger you are and the more liberal you are, the less likely you are to believe in God. How many of you know we have a problem? It says the group with the largest declines also are groups that are currently least likely to believe in God, including liberals. If you consider yourself to be a liberal, only 62% of all liberals believe in God. Young adults, only 68% of young adults believe in God. If you're a Democrat, if you vote Democrat, you're only 72% of Democrats believe that there's a God. That's an amazing thing. If you're 18 to 29 years old, um, in the last uh, five years, there's been a 10% decrease in those that believe in God that are in that age group. That age group needs to be reached for Jesus. You know what Pastor Peter here is, he works with these young people and stuff. They need to be reached. Someone's got to do it. Amen. I hope I'm stirring you up here. It says, if you're not married, 8% decrease. If you're single, you're less likely to believe in God. It dropped 8% in five years. And these numbers just go on and on and on. <clears throat> Actually, it says, too, if you live in a rural area, it was a 7% decrease if you live in a rural community. And part of that is because there was another poll, there was another survey that just came out. For the first time, churches are closing faster than they are opening. And a lot of churches are closing in these rural areas, in these small communities. And guess why we're here? <laughs> guess what this, this reaching the valley? 
I mean, we have large metropolitan areas in that, in that range, and then we have these small communities, and they have to be reached. Think about that. Churches are closing, more churches are closing faster than they are opening. That is not good for growth for God in our country. But I believe that we are in the midst of a revival here in America. Amen? And I believe that God's going to move in this St. Croix River Valley. And so what does that mean for you and me? That means that we have a part to play. We have a part to play, you know. Uh, Brother Vern Norton over in St. Paul, I mean, they need help. There's a harvest over there. And he can't do it by himself. He needs people to help. I said he can't do it by himself. You know, God always gives an assignment to somebody. He'll call someone. He'll give them an assignment. The assignment's bigger than what they can handle. They have to rely on God. And then God has to send them people to help get the job done. That's how it works. You know, Jesus needed help. He couldn't do the miracle with the 5,000 without the disciples having people sit down in groups of 50s and 100s, right? And the miracle took place as they were passing out the loaves and the fishes. Wouldn't that be great to have been there that day to realize uh, we don't have any food hardly at all, and all these people are fed, and there's more left over than what we started out with? How many know that will get your attention? Right? And so, what are you saying, Pastor Mo? We need you to be the person to be the miracle, to help provide the miracle. I wish you could get excited about that. (laughs) (laughs) And so, in St. Paul, up in, uh, you know, at Pastor Jonah's church at Lighthouse, uh, here in, in, in New Richmond, you know, we need help. And there's a lot of different ways you can help. With this building, like one of the things that we have that's unique with this building is, is that it's a place that we're leasing, and so each week we have to set up. And so that's just a full-time job setting up and tearing down, you know, every service. But in our situation, because they don't use the building most of the time on Saturdays, we can set up Saturday for the Sunday service. So we don't have to be there at 7 o'clock in the morning. I love that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Amen. And our church service will start at 9.30 because they do have some dance things scheduled later this year at noon. So we have to be out of the building by 11.30. So we'll, so we'll have a, I'm sorry, 9 a.m. Thank you. Yeah, 9 a.m. start time. So, you know. And we're excited, and we're going to reach people for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. And it's good. And so sometimes we don't consider things. Sometimes we, I I hadn't planned on talking about this, but, you know, we like clicks. How many of you like clicks? We like our little group that we hang out with and everything. But did you know God can move you into a new group? And it's good, amen? Did you know you could take six months off and say, I'm going to go over here for six months and help these people? There's, did you know, and your group will still be there when you get back? It's a wonderful thing. I'll close with this story. 
there was a guy that taught at the Bible school that I went to, and um, his father passed away all of a sudden at an early age. And he was really bummed about it. And he was saying, God, you know, it just isn't right. You know, I was just getting to the place in ministry where I could be a blessing to my dad. And now he's passed away. And I feel like that we've been robbed of time together with one another. And he wasn't, and it was really bothering him, you know. And so uh, one day, all of a sudden, he had a visitation from God and he found himself in heaven. And when he got to heaven, guess who he saw? His dad. And he ran and hugged his dad, and they cried and wept and hugged one another and rejoiced and stuff. And he goes, that whole, I spent a whole day in heaven with my dad. And we've got to eat, and we told stories and talked about the past, and they were at a park and saw things and did things. And then, you know, at the end of the day, it was time to come back to the earth. And he got back to the earth. And he goes, I got back and I was thanking God for that experience that I had with my dad. And then he thought, you know, I'm not sad anymore about my dad passing away. And then a revelation hit him. He goes, I'm going to have, I could have 10 million years with my dad every day. I, I could spend time with my friends every day, right? And so we'll have lots of family time, right? All right? And so, you know, I just w really want to encourage you. You can break away from the family, answer the call of God, be a blessing to the kingdom of God, reach this valley for Jesus Christ, amen, and still have family time. And it all work out well for you. All right, Pastor John. So that's pretty exciting. We've been uh, been working towards that, like you said, for 15 months, and and uh, there were. There were uh, times where we thought we had broken through and then times where we weren't, <laughs> you know, and that is frustrating. You know, it's fr just everything that you do for God doesn't, if you run into, ob uh, 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 I almost said obstacles, sorry about that for, for those of, uh, you know, you almost run into obstacles and, and uh, obstacles for those of you to, uh, but, you know, we think, oh, well, did we do something wrong? Well, it's not, we didn't do anything wrong. We're just, we're just following God, and, and New Richmond is a wonderful place. It's a really neat town. If you've ever been there, it's, it's a wonderful town. When Ju John and Julie moved in there, it got better. It was just, it was, it was, so really, you know, and, and Brad and Jean have been there for years holding down the fort, you know, it's a good, then Deb and I moved there, it got even better, you know, I mean, we... It's a really neat town, and, and, and so as we were trying, we thought, well, this is going to be easy, but it's not. And it's not because anything to do with the people. It had nothing to do with, with individuals. It didn't have anything to do with businesses. It didn't have any, the, 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 uh, the uh, now I can't get past it, obstacles. The obstacles that we kept running into had to do with the spiritual world. Because the spiritual world doesn't want light shining in darkness. And so what do you do? Do you give up and go, well, maybe there's an easier place to go? No, 
You keep pushing because you know what God said to do and you keep going. We keep going. We keep moving forward. No matter how long it, it takes us, no matter how long, how, how much headway it seems like, we, we keep moving forward. Why? Because the world needs to see Jesus. New Richmond needs to see Jesus. St. Croix Falls needs to see Jesus. St. Paul needs to see Jesus. Uh, Prescott needs to see Lake Elmo. But there are dozens of other towns in this valley. And, and, and he alluded to it, and, and for those of you who've been around, you hear me uh, all the time talking about this vision for the valley, that, that to, to plant, have a, have a network of churches, 24 churches by 2027. Well, now we have five. Glory to God. And so the, on, on August 7th, the, it'll be their last Sunday here officially, and we're going to pray for them and their team. Uh, we're going to be praying for them and sending them out. The next week on the 14th of August, uh, they're going to have a soft opening where they practice setting up and taking down and, and working out all the, the kinks. And then on the 21st will be your first official service in, in uh, uh, New Richmond, and that's awesome. And I encourage you, if you, if you just want to go check it out, go. Go celebrate with them. And, you know, and, and he said, there, there's, there are people who are leaving. I think there's 20-some uh, people that are on your team, uh, and, and they're going to be going, and they're some of the best of us. Yay! Yes! You know, when, when, uh, when Pastor John and, uh, and, and Jen Logan went to uh, Prescott, we were sending them out to, be the, to start the church in Prescott. Pastor John says, are you trying to get rid of us? And I was like, no, I'm sending the best. We're sending the best. When Jesse Cunningham went to, to, uh, to St. Croix Falls and uh, started ministering up there, helping Pastor Jonah, and now he's the assistant pastor up there. I don't know if you know that. He's the assistant, assistant pastor in, in St. Croix Falls. He, we're, we're sending the best. And we're sending people. You know, one of the things we had a conversation with our leaders uh, last summer, it's like we're getting full. You know, if you notice. I mean, there's a lot of people not here today, and we're still got a lot of people here today, and that's awesome. But there are actual studies that they've done in, in, in churches and, and how churches function and all those sort of things that when the building starts getting 80% full, you have to do something. You have to either go to two services or whatever. And, and, our, you know, and we were talking about it. It's like, man, we're, we're getting full. We need to start looking, you know, do we need to go to a second service? And I was great because I had three of my leaders go, wait a second, I thought we were supposed to be planting churches. I was like, yeah, that's right. Good idea. So what we need, we need to do is actually plant more churches and send the best. Amen? Because as we've sent the best, what we're reaping is the best. The new people that are here are the best. I mean, I'm just, I'm amazed at who, who God is sending us. And, and it's just an answer to prayer. It's an answer to what God has been saying all along that when you sow, when you sow into something else, and that you're going to reap what you sow. So we send the best people. We, we send the best resources. We send the best opportunities. And we do that, and we're going to see this river valley full of light. Full of light. You know, and that's, it is the vision. And, and, I, and I don't read this all the time, but I read it every once in a while. This is, uh, in, you know, for the last 25 plus years, we've been praying for the St. Croix River Valley. And as we've been praying, God has been opening up different opportunities and showing us different things. And in uh, uh, probably about 2003, 2002, somewhere in there, uh, somebody gave me this prophecy. It's been around since 1948. 
And it says this, in 1948, two prophetic words were given by two different individuals who did not know nor had ever heard of each other. The first was given in Spooner, Wisconsin, by a missionary from an independent missions group. And six months later, the second prophecy was given in Luck, Wisconsin, by an Assembly of God missionary. One couple who heard both prophecies, they were in the room when both of these were given at separate times, said that they were almost word for word the same as they were given. The prophecy basically stated that just before Jesus comes, a revival would start at the head of the St. Croix River and continue southward down the entire river. They stated that the effect of this revival would reach out 100 miles on each side of the river and continue until Jesus comes. They also stated in its path several of the cities would be won entirely over to the Lord. Every person in that city saved, along with the salvation of thousands, would also be the miraculous in the area of finances, healing, deliverances of all kinds, and a return of entire areas to biblical living once again, right up until Jesus comes in the end. God's coming back for a, for a, for a, a mature church. He's coming back for a body that's doing what he told us to do. And what he told us to do is go into all the world and preach the gospel. That gospel is the power of God. But we have to take our part. We have to do our part. I mean, I, you know, Pastor John shared just now, and I agree with everything he said. There are times when you go on purpose. You know, uh, just, just as, I'm just going to make a statement here real quick. Everybody here, everybody here, everybody in this room left somewhere else to come here right is that a fair statement everybody left a different church to come here some do it for the right reasons. some do it for the wrong reasons you know i mean that's 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 just that's real life sometimes some do it because of hurt some do it because of pain some do it because god's calling i mean there's all kinds of reasons why people leave one place and go to another but here's the deal you're here and while you're here, we need to be about what the Father's doing. That's our purpose. We have purpose here. We don't just come together every week and we don't just, you know, hold each other and say, you're going to make it three more days. We'll see you on Wednesday. We'll see you on Wednesday. Just make it till Wednesday. Don't fall apart. You know, whew, we made it Wednesday. Oh, thank God. Oh, praise the Lord. We made it till Wednesday. And then, okay, Sunday. Sunday, we'll be back Sunday. Don't, don't, don't fall apart before Sunday, okay? Just, we're not here barely making it along. We're going forward in power. We're going forward. We went through the, 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 the pandemic. You know, I'm, I, there's actually been days where I don't even think about that stupid thing. Have you noticed that? I mean, it's been, I, I, mean I remember in the middle of it, I was like, man, I want one day where nobody says anything about the Rona. You know, I just, I mean, I just want one day where we don't even know, you don't hear any. And now I get hold, maybe it's like days in a row before somebody says. But we, as we were going through the, the pandemic, one of the things the Holy Spirit said, he says, you're not going to just survive. In this, you're going to thrive. And that exact, that's exactly what happened here. We have thrived through it. And the vision got stronger. And his plan and purpose got stronger. We got stronger. Because we're not going to just barely make it till the end. Until Jesus returns. Oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's not our goal. That's not how the, we're going forth in power and authority. He's, go, he's told us that we're going to see whole cities won. You know, that's happened in the past. 
There's been whole cities won for Christ. I mean, whole cities have been upended, turned upside down. Well, it's happened before. Why wouldn't he do it here? All he wants is somebody who'll believe him that, that it can be done. And I, you know, I, I believe it can be done. I believe this whole valley can be turned upside down. Man, when I pray about this, and I pray about it all the time, I pray that, that, that every person who comes through this valley gets saved. Even if they come through by accident. Even if they have no idea. They come here on, at, for work. You know, they come here, they flew in from wherever around the world. They came here to do something, and all of a sudden they come in and they go, whoa, what's going on here? What's this Jesus thing? I thought, Jesus, I thought, I thought religion was dead. I saw, I saw a study that says religion is dead. You know, and the fact is, no, here's the power of God, man. We need to show the power of God. We need to lay hands on the sick. We need to, we need to preach. We need to, to share. We need the signs and wonders, miracles. Every one of us, every one of us. I love it. You, you know, you're not too old. You're not too old for God to use, but you're also not too young for God to use. God is using people. He's using all of us, the body of Christ. He's using us to, to bring light into this world, which is the power of God. As we show the power of God. Now I encourage you, go into all the world and preach the gospel. There are going to be more churches starting in this next year. I, I'm, I'm convinced there'll be, there is going to be more even this year. St. Paul started, uh, when, when was the day? Was it Easter? It was, not, it was Easter, yeah. Yeah, April. April started in April. The New Richmond is going to start here in two weeks or three weeks. And, and it's, in my heart, it's already started. You know? In my heart, we're, okay, we're, it's begun. You know, we're, we're moving forward. But there's going to be more. And at that point, we need people, all hands on deck. Well, what if, we, what if everybody here goes and helps start another church? Awesome! Because the next Sunday, we're going to be so full because we have sown so much seed. I'm not worried about it. We're never going to run out of people because God's going to go, ooh, they trust me. They believe me. They believe this stuff. Here we go, boys. Let's go. And when God gets excited, man, things get excited. We're going we're gonna to see God move. Now, in this, there are needs. There's always needs. And I'm not going to take a lot of time talking about this, but I just had it on my heart uh, getting ready for today because I, wanted to, I felt like we were supposed to talk about vision, talk about what God has done but what he is doing. There will be more churches starting. But with that, it takes resources. One of the amazing things that we have seen once we said, okay, God, we're going to do this, we're going to start planting churches, is that we now we have actually a, a building in St. Paul that the, the basement is being filled up with resources. I mean, we've got, uh, we've got sound systems, we've got, we've got uh, 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 pulpits, we've got tables, chairs, we've got kids' supplies, we have curriculum up in another storage unit up in, in St. Croix Falls. There's stuff that just keeps coming to us. Why? Because we're faithful with what we have. But we need to keep giving. We need to keep uh, uh, handing out, uh, you know, letting things throw flow through us. In 2 Corinthians, Paul's talking about the need in Jerusalem, and he says, we want you to know, brothers, this is in 2 Corinthians 8, beginning with verse 1, it says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, 
as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So there are opportunities to give. One of the things, so, so uh, uh, River Valley Christian Church, RVCC, this church here, Lake Elmo, there's also the, the, the different churches in the valley that may or may not call themselves RVCC, it's as the Lord leads. But this church has a vision, and that vision is to train up the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's what we do. That's what this church. But there's another, there's a bigger vision outside uh, that we're also contributing to. RVFM, River Valley Fellowship of Ministries, is the organization that oversees uh, all of these things. And I mean, we're, you know, much of the same people are a part of it. The same, the same people are, are leading it and organizing it. But, but to, for, for, for purposes, we, we need to have them, you know, separated. That RVCC is going to be, is a part of RVFM. St. Croix Falls is a part of our VFM. We're all a part of it, but that vision is to help. How do we bring resources, bring power, bring, bring authority into this? We do it as, as a group. And that, that group, our VFM, River Valley Fellowship of Ministries, it takes resources. It takes money. It takes things. It takes time. It takes people being a part of it. And so this morning, I wanted to, to just go a little bit beyond where I've gone before and just give you an opportunity. You know, uh, Justin's going to be receiving the offering here in just a second, so I don't want to steal any of his time or thunder. But here's the deal. If you ever, if, if God leads you to give on a regular basis to RVFM. Now that's above and beyond tithe to this church. It's above and beyond offerings. It's above and be it's as the Lord leads and gives you the opportunity. The RVFM is something you can be giving towards to see the vision for the whole valley go forward. RVCC has carried a lot of it. This church, this church's budget has carried a lot of it up to this point, but this church has needs. This church has responsibilities that we have to take care of. And so RVFM needs to be able to move and, and, and operate on its own. And so I encourage you, if, if God leads you to do that, and we'll give opportunity in the future, there'll be more time to talk about it, but RVFM, River Valley Fellowship of Ministries, if God puts that on your heart to start giving to that on a regular basis, I encourage you to do that. It's good soil. You can see the soil. You can see the fruit of what God's doing in the valley. And I, what I'm not saying is don't, you know, don't quit giving to your church to give to RVFM. I'm just saying it's above and beyond. As the Lord leads you to do so, it's above and beyond. Amen? Amen. Justin, I'm going to have him come up and share the offering sermon and the announcements. So the inspiration for today's teaching is a Karis Bible College course taught by a Pastor Greg Moore entitled Prosperity God's Way. And the purpose of this teaching, along with many other great offering teachings you've had here from this pulpit, is to help you and I to calibrate our perspectives on prosperity, finances, and giving so that we come into agreement and to learn to cooperate with the principles and purposes God has laid out for us in his word. Amen. So our job as believers in the simplest terms is what? To believe. Right. So it matters what we believe. Simply believing something does not make it true. We need to believe what is already true, and God gave us his word so we can know what is true. How many know that it works a lot better when we agree with God? Amen. When we do, we can have confidence that our faith is aligned to what God's grace has provided. So we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 12, 
starting in verse 1, to look at God's initial promise to Abraham. And how many know that we are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise if we are born again? Uh, So Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Abram at that time, "Um, Go out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Everyone say with me, I will bless you, and you shall be a blessing. Greg Moore does this thing with his hands when he teaches where he's, I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. It works better with two hands, but I can't do that. So you guys do this with me so I don't look, I'm not the only one looking silly. I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. All right, continuing in verse three, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We can see here that in the beginning, of God dealing with his covenant people, he reveals the purpose of blessing and prosperity. His blessing in our lives is so that we can have the opportunity to be a blessing to others. Another way to say that we are blessed to be a blessing is that we have enough and extra. His blessing is never so that you and I just have enough ourselves, that we are blessed, but he blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. Prosperity is not biblical prosperity if it ends and stops at your house. From the outset, God's initial covenant promise was that you are blessed to be a blessing. If your prayers end with you, you're selfish. That's Greg Moore saying that, but I agree. (laughs) If we don't understand the purpose of prosperity, we are going to abuse it. And that's what a lot of people have done. We need to understand that this covenant promise of blessed to be a blessing is the foundation for the biblical concept of blessing and prosperity. If you are satisfied to only have enough, then you're not cooperating with God's design for us to be blessed so that we can be a blessing. We need to recalibrate our believing so that we don't fall into this trap. Let's look at this quickly in the New Testament. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, that's the enough part, may have an abundance for every good work, that's the extra part, that's the blessed to be a blessing. Here again, we see enough and extra, blessed to be a blessing. And in verse 10, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Bread and seed is another way to say enough and extra. Bread for us to eat and seed for us to sow. And this is a great opportunity for us to learn to hear from God. When we have money come in, we ask God, which part of this is bread for us to eat and which part is seed to sow? And if we think about it that way and we cooperate with God's plan, it doesn't matter how high this goes. You can increase and increase and it's not a selfish thing. It's actually cooperating with the principles of God. So... Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to give. Thank you, El Shaddai. You are the God who is more than enough. And we just trust that as um, we cooperate with your principles that it works better. Uh, So as we give today, we can trust that you not only supply our needs, but you give us seed to sow and that we can be a blessing to others. So thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.